This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Bacon Sale. All right, guys. Uh, let's let's play this game. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, it didn't work. It didn't work. Do the nose trick. Hold on, hold on, it's hold on. the nose trick. No, you got to go up and down. No, you got to push it up way too hard. Okay. No, okay. Uh, push it against the side. You know what works for me? If you just if you just like if you just no. If, does oh. that work? Hit reset. Hit reset and start at the same time. Okay. Okay. Did I get it? Okay. We got about three minutes. Hey, let's do it. it. Is it plugged in? Oh, dang it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Big Cell. I'm Joel. <laughs> I'm Kent. And I'm Zach. That was a fun game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people that have no idea what we're talking about are like, what, what are they doing? We're it's just like starting a, the show. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> We'd like to thank you for listening to our last show, our one and done show. We hope that you enjoyed it so much that you don't want it to be one and done. We could do it again. We have plenty of choices. I wonder if people took our non-recommendations as recommendations. That's a good question. I don't know if anyone said that, but I did have some people. Uh, Brian Madsen said The Road was a movie he saw once and never Absolutely. enjoyed never wanted to watch again. Yep. Yeah. I still haven't seen it. There's a lot of it. Uh, Paul Jeffries mentioned Manchester by the Sea. Oh, devastating. Uh, Monica Harper mentioned Road to Perdition. Yep. Uh, Shark Gillens mentioned Interstellar. Oh, Todd Cal- you did that on purpose. i bring a list there. It was actually two mentions of Interstellar. Mm. Uh, Todd Callen said Rescue Dawn. April Baker said oh, yeah. Chappaquiddick. And the one I wanted to bring up was Chris Anderson. From the Bacon Council. Yes. Who said, for me, it's Grave of the Fireflies. It's stunning, poignant, fascinating, heartbreaking, and one viewing is all I can take, but I don't regret it one bit. To which I replied, you made me watch that a second time. Yeah, we did for the show. <laughs> and she said, and she said in her defense, she did say, I didn't make you. I just said we were going to do Miyazaki films. But she knows I'm a completionist. Yeah. So I had my heart ripped out a second time. Twice. You knew what it was when you picked it up. It's true. I really did. <laughs> But we do appreciate your feedback. We always love hearing from you on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But that's not what we're talking about today. What are we talking about today, Zach? We are going to throw it back today, and we're going to be talking some video games. Don't don't turn off the episode. We're talking Nintendo. They already turned off the bacon entertainment system. Week. We're going NES games today. Classic yeah. NES. And we did kind of back on episode 17. 17. It's been a minute. A little wow. bit. Yeah, uh, way back then we talked. We did your podcast is in, another, is in another castle back in July of 2015. Yeah, we wow. So young then, and it was about pre PlayStation games. So we kind of dabbled in NES, but we did it. We've done it's a PlayStation a really show, broad brush. We've done a Sega show, and we're like, we need to do a classic NES show. So there may be mm-hmm. some retreading going on here, but we're going to be talking about some of those classic games on the NES as well as some obscure ones. So did you love the NES? Zach, you're younger than us. I so am. We'll start with you. Okay, so I What was your experience with the I'll, NES? I'm just going to throw it out. I was born after this console came out and it's still the one that I grew up with because it was the console that my dad had. Um so it, this is my first console. I played it for years. I've played dozens of the games. Uh, it is my first foray into video games, so I love it with a huge passion. And Zach, you literally for that opening you brought in a physical, I, I physically NES console. I, I was blowing with, into an actual was. cartridge. What, which cartridge was it? It's it's the Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt. The one that came with that belongs yeah. in a museum. <laughs> 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 they they made the. We'll get to that, but they actually made these machines uh, not very smart. Does that work or did it ever work? Oh, it works. Are you sure? Oh, it, because I no, feel like none doesn't. of them ever really worked. We'll get to that. We'll talk about the manufacturing flaws oh, they made in great. there. Uh, I, I have those notes as well because we're going to talk general NES facts, but let's talk about feelings first. Sure. Okay. Because my first console was probably actually an Atari. My brother had yeah. an Atari, and we got to play on that and played Frogger and Popeye and all those types Pitfall. of games. Pitfall. So I need, you know, let's do an Atari show sometime. Uh, but <laughs> da, 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 da. the stories are really intense. They are. This one time I wet myself, but it's because I was wearing diapers at the time. When I, I meant this. in the game. Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> what happened? What happened? This is a flashback for Joel. A little PTSD. Wow. Ah! 
but no, I NES was one of the first like my gaming consoles. I was. Do your parents allowed it? Oh yes. And is it because you have a few brothers? Did they want to shut you up and said go play the Nintendo? No, I, my my dad has always been uh, big into tech. Okay. And so I think this was him being like a home console early gaming system. Yeah, he's like, let's try this out. And it was hours and hours and hours of entertainment. I honestly, like I get after my kids now for playing too many games. Mm-hmm. And then I'm trying to remember, it felt like I just played video games nonstop when I was a kid. But I'm sure my parents were policing it too. But it just felt like I could just zone out and be in a different world for a little bit of time. You say that. Games. Your parents probably just wanted you to be in the other room. <laughs> probably so. <laughs> On your 22-inch TV. <laughs> Whoa! They didn't give me the good TV. <laughs> yeah, I played on a 20-inch TV. It, which seemed big back then. It was, yeah. Yeah, back in the day, it was huge. Ken, what about your NES experience? So my mom never wanted us to have a Nintendo. She wanted to inspire creativity in us children. So we even have a, a basketball court in our backyard, and she wanted us to do sports and draw and all that fun How stuff. How turn out? So I went to my friend's house all the time, <laughs> and I played every Nintendo game I could until one blessed day, my brother's friend had an extra NES. Like their parents had two for some reason, and he said, hey... I don't need this one. Do you guys want this? Your mom may, may not let you keep it. And so we got a free Nintendo. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That's so cool. It's kind of how I got my Wii. Is it? Well, I won it on the radio. And PlayStation 4, too. Uh, that was because of a broken HDMI camera. Yeah, connector. exactly. Yeah. Wow. So we got a free Nintendo, you. and that changed my life. And I became, well, part of the geek I am today. So grateful that I had that. But, but. looking back at these games, the research we've done... yeah. What a terrible console. <laughs> there were so many reasons why this shouldn't work. and why. why it, but why did it? Because it was just the first of its kind? Well, it's the context, though. Do you know what was happening around the time when it was released? Or so 1985. It came out in 1985, but you know what happened before that? The video game crash. Yes. The industry was in ruins. So what happened was uh, video games, they got the arcade games, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is this is you know the future. And so they started doing mm-hmm. these home console games, Atari mm-hmm. and things like that. And they started churning out mm-hmm. just crappy title after crappy Shovel title. No quality control. Yeah, at all. Like people were people were buying these games with these elaborate box art and then they play it and it would be atrocious. They did lightning in a bottle because they were able to bring the home console system to the home. So you're saying when they finally brought it in and made this console and started licensing games, licensing this games was everything. Key. Yes. So uh, let me take a step back here. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. The NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System, is an 8-bit, third-generation home video game console produced, released, and marketed by Nintendo. There were other consoles before this from Nintendo. ColecoVision, Atari. Uh, they actually, it's actually just a complete uh, remodel. or a, It's the same thing, but the family computer, or Famicom, Famicom. Mm-hmm. was made in Japan. And then they decided to rebrand it here as Nintendo Entertainment System. Entertainment System, because it was supposed to be not just about video games mm-hmm. it was supposed to be like microphones and you could sing along karaoke and how like, did that turn out uh well hit and miss well they had a lot of peripherals and things like that so it was you actually could get a gun it was actually right at the crash 1983 was when it came out in japan and then it didn't arrive in america until 1986 and it actually helped revitalize the u.s video game industry after the crash this is basically the disney renaissance of video games yeah well because the industry beforehand you know you may have heard the story of et which was the worst game of all time for the Atari. Yes. And they made so many of them because they're like, E.T. is so popular that they literally just buried them in a New Mexico desert. And I've seen the gameplay of this and it is... You never yeah. played? Well, no, I think I have it on the retro. Oh, it's, it's so bad. Yeah. And it's, it's you that pit over and over again. So Would you say that from, killed Atari? Yes. Because Atari was killing it before that. Oh, it's, yeah, absolutely. And then to turn from that to something like a Super Mario Brothers, it, was, it just changed everything. Like Zach said and Kent said, 
it was zero quality control in the Atari. They were just letting anyone slap a, a, a logo on a, on a cartridge and saying, there, that's the game. We don't right. care. Just make the money. And then it was when Nintendo said licensing, when they said, look, we'll allow other people to create games so we can churn them out faster, but we're going to be watching these games and give them the little seal on there, the Nintendo seal of approval that this is a, a big good deal. game. It was. And that's why a lot of the, the games that came out, uh, another thing they complained about is that back in the day of Atari, like I said, elaborate box art, terrible actual game graphics. Yeah. If you notice the first run of those Nintendo games, the first 17 games they launched, uh, which I can get, I can name them all, but uh, yeah. Duck Hunt, Excite Bike, and Kung Fu, Pinball, Soccer, a couple of those, Super Mario Brothers were a couple of those. They featured the actual graphics yeah. on the box. Yes. Because they're like, we're not trying to, to market you here. We're here to entertain you. And good on them. The uh, Nintendo, by the way, uh, they decided not to do the... Because before Nintendo, it was kind of the, the slot in the top where you just stick it down in. Right. And they decided to do the front-loading zero and insertion force, or ZIF, cartridge socket. And they did it that way because it was designed to resemble a front-loading mechanism of the VCR, which was very popular at the time. They literally made that design to go in the front so that it could look like a VCR because that's what people liked. They were basically doing everything for it to not be an Atari. Yeah. Also, there was some weird thing I read where it talked about they were worried about kids electrocuting themselves on the open... Uh, uh, if it were just like a toaster? The, well, no, like, the, yeah, like it was just sticking up there like the right. Atari. Like they get static electricity to go put the game and get shocked. And so this apparently was a way to prevent that. But the way they did it, they did it kind of wrong because, first of all, it's not zero insertion force because there are pins, little tiny pins on the cartridge and little tiny pins on the console. And when they go together, they kind of bend apart. And they made it out of brass-plated nickel connectors which are get tarnished and have oxidation. They start to rust. They start to break down. So they didn't make these to last, which is kind of sad. No, the consoles or the games. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, did either of you, by the way, look up how many titles, officially licensed game titles there Let's were? Let's hear it. You guys want to take a ballpark figure? I'm going to say 394. Yeah, a couple hundred. 714. What? 714 licensed All released in the U.S., though, because the I know Japanese, the Japanese market has 677 of these were released in North America. Wow. Yeah. So that's a okay. lot of games that's to That's where through. I want to jump, though, because that, based on this research, I try to play so many games over mm-hmm. the past couple of days. And because I would you have say, a RetroPie. Yes, I have a RetroPie, which has, emulates all these classic titles. I think probably all yeah. 700 some up. And if you don't know what RetroPie is, it's amazing because you can, it's this little tiny... A little tiny SD card. Yes. You can fit your entire child in. We're not just talking NES. We're talking Atari. Takes we're no space Sega, at all. And it's barely anything. And then you put it in this little machine, plug an HDMI into cable into your TV, and you're playing the games again. And if you get sick of a game, you just hit start select and go to a new game. <laughs> it's true. You don't have to like restart the system and hit reset three times. <laughs> I have so much less patience now than I did when I was a kid. <laughs> well, you should because these old games are ridiculous. There are some standout titles that it almost seems like like you said, lightning in a bottle. Magic happened to create some of these Nintendo first-party games because I would say 89% of the games released for Nintendo are probably 27-minute experiences that are either impossible or not worth $5. And the games back then were $50. Yeah. yeah. It, which is actually kind of great. You think about... Games now how, are $50. Exactly. You think about how everything else has doubled or tripled based on inflation since even the 90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Games went from like 50 to 40, and now they're around 60. Now they're 60. Mm-hmm. For 30 some odd years. But nowadays, the games are like 40 plus hours, as you mentioned. Yes. Whereas back then, looking at the playthroughs on... You can you can literally go to YouTube and say Any like... Any game. Name a game. Any game. You're Splatterhouse. Like, Splatterhouse walkthrough. And yes. yes. 
And, well, that might get some different <laughs> results. <laughs> but uh, you can see a playthrough, and all of them are like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes maybe. And yeah. that's about how long the game would take. Yeah. Because you didn't sit down night after night after night after night and play these games continuously. You generally had to play these games in one sitting, too. Exactly. There was very, it was very rare. You either got a code or like in, I think it was Legend of Zelda, if you hit select on the second player's controller, you could save a spot. So because I'm a parent now, I think about how much of a waste of money these games were. <laughs> and I would only probably, if I were to go back in time, I would only let my kids rent the games and tell them to beat it. Funny while we you had should it for say those that, by days. the way, because I, I didn't realize this, but apparently there was a huge uh, legal battle about rentals. Because okay. like places like Blockbuster would take would just buy the games and then rent them out, and Nintendo would get no cut after the purchase. Oh, makes sense. And so Nintendo sued them and said, "Look, you're killing our sales here because people don't buy; they go rent, and you guys only pay us once. And these people are playing multiple games." So they took a huge lawsuit about it. In the end, actually, Nintendo ended up losing. Uh, there was some licensing stuff where they couldn't include like the manual, so they include mm-hmm. like a card with like some instructions on it. <laughs> You know what's the worst, though, huh. is when you rented a game, you saved your game file, if you could, onto the game. And so if you didn't beat it over that weekend and had to take the game back, yeah. you just hoped by the, by the next time you rented it, <laughs> your save file was still there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I remember renting games and just trying my best to beat it in one weekend. Yeah. And, just trying to, I had and you should have been able to. You should have been able but to. But some are impossible. That, that's the weird thing, too, is like there's some that were ridiculously, I don't want to say easy, but mundane. Yes. That you got bored playing, and there's others that there's like there's no way a kid could an adult can't beat this, let alone a kid. Right. Well, they're cut from the arcade cloth. Yeah. You know that's the pumping uh, the quarters. Well, yeah, exactly. You want to pay more. The, the controller was just a D pad and two buttons, like yeah. a little cross. And often the game, the controls were horrible. Yeah. Unless it was a stellar game, which hopefully we'll talk about tonight. I think we're going to get into a few stellar games. Luckily, we are going to filter through. But I did want to bring that up. That do you guys notice that just games don't come with instruction manuals anymore? No. It's literally like in-game learning, which tutorials and it's funny how like you get you go to the menus to get get a PS4 controller and there are 10 buttons. I'm just in my head. There's a lot on the top and there's the middle ones and the touchpad. Yeah. Oh, there's a bunch. So there's so many buttons on there. And yet at the beginning, they're like, here's how you play. Whereas back then it's like you have an A button, a B button up, down, left, right. And it's like, okay, sit down. We're going to explain this to you. Also, but it's kind of weird because the games didn't give you any sort of exposition at all. Often you just started a game, one player, and they just put you in the adventure. There was no exposition. But then you read no the, intro. the manual and it's like, in the land of Guarden, <laughs> yeah, there, there was yes. a wizard that cursed everybody. And you're like, whoa, this sounds amazing. They play the game. Now meow, you have like 10 meow, hours meow, of tutorial in a game. Meow. Oh, yeah. But there was those uh, like there was a lot of the games that made the translation as far as the manual goes, but it didn't go great. And so some of those old manuals oh, are those fantastic. Are Speaking of those. translation, just playing some of these old Nintendo games and getting the Japanese to English translation is so it's good. It's a lot of fun. It's really funny. One final bit of general Nintendo trivia, if I may, gentlemen. Do you guys know when they discontinued the Nintendo Entertainment System in both in North America and Europe? Had what a, year? Had a decently long run. So I'm going to say 93. 95. 95 is correct. Okay. Wow. And what was the last game released in, we'll say North America? Uh, Just Dance, 1995. <laughs> no, Wario, Wario's Woods. Oh, wow. Lion King actually came out uh, on, in Europe, I believe, uh, 1995, which mm, was Lion wow. King Nintendo game. But yeah, never played Wario's Woods, but that was the last Nintendo game so that's in the, When did the SNES come out? That means they were running concurrently yeah, for, for years. A bit there. I think 92, 93. 
2003 is when I said it came out. Yeah. It was around the same time as Sega. So yeah, early 90s. Wow. So anyway, we have a series of 12 categories and we are going to be giving our answers for those. Kent and I, Zach's going to jump in whenever he feels uh, strongly. I feel so inclined. But we hope you're playing along at home and join us on the walk through memory lane of the Nintendo Entertainment System. I'm excited for this one, guys. Ready? Ready. Let's start with the king of the castle, the one who saved video games, Mario. I want to hear your best Super Mario Brothers game. Super Mario Bros. 3. That's your answer? That's not my answer. That is the answer. It's not the answer. (laughs) What's yours, Joel? I'm going with Super Mario Brothers 2. You're insane. No. And I'll tell you why. But you no, go first. You go first with your Super Mario Brothers 3 love. Come well, I, I hate to upstage you. It is the best because the original Super Mario Brothers was such a great game. And I don't mean the one where you're just jumping on a POW box and, and changing it. It's just an arcade Mario version. Brothers. Mario Brothers. Called. The first game was such a great platformer with great controls. Agreed. And then you had Mario 2, which wasn't meant to be a Mario game. But then Super Mario Bros. 3. You get everything. If I read the back of each of these games, and I do want to describe them almost as an IMDb synopsis, if That's I could. Fine. Yeah. Because okay. some people, here's the thing: some people listen to this game, uh, like Zach, were born after the console died. Right. So this one says: fight monsters and mini bosses, avoid ghosts and the burning sun, make your way through water and quicksand, dodge cannonballs and bullets, and rescue the king's wand. Do you guys remember the King's Wands? Yeah. That kind of. That doesn't even sound like I always try to jump in the Super, air and catch it. <laughs> Super Mario Bros. 3 is fun to play alone or team up with a buddy to prolong the adventure. The game series, some of the best Nintendo series were created by Shigeru Miyamoto. And yes. I feel like this one defined the franchise. It sold 17 million copies. It doesn't feel repetitive like mm-hmm. any other NES game. Even like 1 and 2 feel repetitive. And you get the leaf suit, the frog suit, the hammer suit, tanuki suit. You can slide down slopes Pompoko in this suit. game. Yeah, basically Pompoko. <laughs> you're, you're the one that always brings it up. And then you get to hit the end card at the end of each level. Like it takes so much stress. So much stress. You don't know how to hit the star every time. Star every time. I don't. Like I never got that down. But you get the Koopalings. Basically, it's Bowser's kids. The Koopalings are the main bosses in the game. And so you have to stop each of them and get the king's wands. I feel like this one is just everything flying in this game is so much fun. The graphics are some of the best. Yeah, it's weird to say graphics, but like the art style is Well, back beautiful. in the day, it was like, yes. whoa, it's so crisp. You can see Especially Mario's compared facial to the features. first one. Yeah. All right, so Joel, Super Mario Bros. 2. So, and now I want to clarify, I don't hate Super Mario Bros. Both 3. Both are great. So Super Mario Bros. 2. Yeah, and this, tell me why Doki Doki Panic is the best Mario game. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, because this is one where, and this definitely is probably more of a personal preference because it's definitely one I played the most. But I think that Super Mario Brothers 2 breaks the monotony of the first game because it does get a little monotonous. It does. Well, that's why everyone warps. Especially if you don't warp. Yeah, yes. that's what I was going to say. And it isn't as complicated as the third one. I think the third one strays into Mortal Kombat 3 territory <laughs> where it's a little too much. In fact, I would say that Mario Brothers, uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 is the Empire Strikes Back of the Mario world. Which you, is darker, that's not even your favorite Star it's Wars. It's darker, it's more challenging, and there are prehistoric bird creatures that shoot eggs from their mouths. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, if you don't know the story, it's by the, the way. It's the last Jedi of Mario games. No. no. Take that back. Yeah, uh, seriously. So the, this is the synopsis that they have on Wikipedia, the source of all knowledge and truth. Mario has a dream of a staircase leading to a door to another world. A voice identifies the world as the dreamland of Subcon and asks for Mario's help in defeating the villainous frog named Wart. Not Bowser, by the way. A tyrant who has cursed Subcon and its people. And during this game, like, oh, okay, like, like Zach said, and I think Ken alluded it too, it was not originally supposed to be a Mario game. Mm-hmm. They had a whole Mario 2, Super Mario Brothers 2 concept they were going to do where, like, 
It felt uh, a lot like well, two, they did two, one. two people working together uh, on the same screen, like using each other to jump over things and, and throw things and stuff like that. And then they were just kind of like, okay, we, we... You need to mix it up. Well, they released a Super Mario Brothers 2 in Japan that was yes. the same as the first Super Mario Brothers, but it was deemed too hard for Western audiences. Exactly. So they said, we got to make this easier. This is also right after the kind of the crash. Like, we don't want to be kind of associated with that. And so they kind of re, re-cosmetically modified a game called Yume Kojo Doki Doki Panic <laughs> to become Super Mario Brothers. They literally put a skin on it and said, now this is a Mario game. The best part about this game is the difference with the character types. You have Mario, yeah. Luigi, that's his brother, by the way, mm-hmm. Toad, who has a mushroom cap, and then Princess Peach. Princess who, Toadstool in this Princess game. Princess Toadstool. Who did you guys play as? Peach is easy mode. Peach is when... You, okay, so here's... Luigi's hard mode. They each had different Luigi. ways of playing. So Luigi could jump high. Yes. Uh, Princess Toadstool, when she jumped, she would float. Toad could dig really fast. And then Mario, I was like, what does Mario do? I, I learned something, Kent. Apparently, Mario can jump the biggest length. Like, he can jump far. Mario, oh, can he? Luigi jumps high. Mario No one far. ever knew because no one played as Mario. But no, Luigi no, was no. not super stable. Yeah. Yeah, I like Luigi, though. You, oh, I love... That's how I played with most of the time was Luigi or Toad. Those are my big ones. Yeah. But... You could switch in between levels as you go through. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. now I need a, I, it's a digging level. I need Toad. Or this is going to have long jumps. I need Princess. Yes. And so I was actually, you know, I, lo- I enjoyed that gameplay. I had a lot of fun with the characters. It's And a lot of the stuff that was used in Mario Brothers 2 carried on to other ones as well. So they assimilated things like Birdo. She became a part of it. Uh, the Bomb Moms, Shy Guys. That all came from Super Mario Brothers 2. The, the jumping on something, instead of having it die when you jump on it, having being able to pick it pick up it and up, throw it, sure. that became part of Mario Kotra as well. Wart so showed yes. up in other games? No, because no. you killed him. He's gone. Yeah, Bowser he, never dies. Pew, 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 pew. Uh, so this was, that was every Nintendo game, by the way. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers 2 yielded over 7 million copies sold and is the fourth highest selling game ever uh, released on the NES. Yes, but right not after the third. Super Mario Brothers being number one, Duck Hunt being number two, and Super Mario Brothers 3 being the third. Well, and Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt came with the console, so you could make an argument that three is actually the top. You could. And I enjoy three, and yeah. I enjoy two, they're and both, I really enjoy one. They're both great. Yeah. They're really, really fun. All right. Favorite Super Mario Brothers? We di- we differed. Zach, you said there was an easy answer. Are you saying three as well? I think three is the best. I think like universally. You always but agree with Ken. Not always, <laughs> just most of the time. Just when I'm right. Uh, yeah. Thanks for letting me on the show. Okay, uh, let's let's hear the game that you put the most time into. I'll go first on this one. And this is a kind of a weirder one, but uh, it's Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yes. Why? So this I played this so one. Hard. <laughs> so I hated it. Okay, <laughs> I owned this one. I, I think it was a Christmas gift, if I remember right. Uh, this came out in 1989, uh, shortly after the movie came out. And you control Eddie Valiant, who, with Roger Rabbit always tailing behind you, and you're just trying to solve... You're basically, you're trying to find Acme's will so then you can fight Judge Doom. It's in pieces, isn't it? But yeah, it's in pieces. You have to find different pieces. So you are literally walking around like there's an you walk outside and an overview like over, of overhead city. of the city and you're walking just from building to building. And then you just walk in each building and you walk into a room and you search the drawers. And you can talk to people and say, can you help me? And they'll say, no, I can't help you. Or yes, try searching this building. And you have to search every single drawer in the building until you find something like an exploding cigar or Mm -hmm. a revolver or things like that. And the thing that drove me nuts about this game is that you can get killed by one touch of a rat on your ankle if it hits you wrong. Mm -hmm. Like it was kind of annoying how you could die so quickly in that. But I played this game and it was just one of those kind of mystery games. And it's almost open world because you're walking through Los Angeles, Toontown, uh, the outskirts. They have like these mountains you can walk through to find a hidden GTA. 
Yeah, basically. <laughs> and it's weird how they don't use a lot of the characters from the movie. They yeah. The, oh, yeah, you mean they like use the weasels. You get yeah, the, the weasels, weasels, but Jessica Rabbit. The characters it. you talk to in the buildings, like, they're not from the movie at mm. all. No, it's random citizens. Yeah. That's the weird part about it. It's just kind of they have, like, you know, random characters they threw in there. And I, the reason that I put the most time with this is because, one, it's a very long game if you're playing it. Well, I watched the walkthrough, and it was only, like, 35 or 40 minutes, which made me feel stupid because it took me forever. Well, you were a kid. But... I played this. I played and played and played and played and played this game, but could not figure out how to get to the end and, and defeat Judge Doom. Like I could get there, mm-hmm. I had the will, I was able to get in there, and I just couldn't beat Judge Doom. And so I gave up. And oh, wow. then decades later, when I got my RetroPie, I said, "You know what? I'm doing this. I'm going to beat Judge Doom." But I wasn't about to go and uh, like do the whole game again. So I found a code to get right to Judge Doom, just so I could jump back to where I was before, and I learned how to defeat him. And even though I watched the, the the video, it's not easy. It's it's kind of a, one of the worst bosses out there because you have to like do this. He does this weird kind of run jump thing to mm-hmm. power up before a punch, and you have to do like fifty of those to beat Judge Doom. It's insane the amount of work they have to go through to do this. So yeah, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? I still enjoy. It. Even I, I played it again and I was like, wow, this is gonna take forever. But I think I'm gonna go back and try and play the whole thing. Really? Okay. Nice. Yeah. What you got, Kent? Tetris. Yes. Ooh, that's a good one. From 1989. So good. The back of the box says, the Soviet game sensation. Do it it in a Russian accent. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) The Soviet game sensation. There we are. Yes. Tetris is, it's like the original, right? It's no Mm -hmm. Pong or anything, but it has been remade probably more times than any game Mm -hmm. out there. And I still have bought recent versions of Tetris. So you're a candy crusher. Yeah, I guess I am. Yeah. The original, the, the original Candy, Candy Crusher. Well, I liked, what I like about the NES Tetris is it it's a little slower paced than the more modern ones. Mm-hmm. And I actually kind of, I think that's more fun. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think so too. And I feel like I'm really good at Tetris. Yeah. And this kind of continued on. And maybe it's because in math class in high school, I had a TI-85. Mm-hmm. You can play Tetris on that as well. So instead of listening. You didn't get the good music. No, no music at all. The yeah. Yes, comrade. Yeah, by the way, that's, sing the song of our motherland. That song is a 19th century song called Korobeniki. Korobeniki. And it is a folk song about the courtship between a peasant girl and a peddler. Perfect for Tetris. <laughs> it really is. Right? 11 out of 17 found this interesting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there was actually a thing called the Tetris effect. And it's when people were playing too many hours of Tetris. And they would start to see it whenever they close their eyes or in their dreams, they'd yep. see the pieces fall. I feel like that probably happened to me in this game and Guitar Hero. Some people see shadow yep. monsters. Some people see Tetris pieces. <laughs> yeah, I see Tetraminos too. See, the thing is, Tetris, I enjoy it, but I get so frustrated because my brain sometimes just doesn't want to work, especially when it gets near the top. My brain just goes, nope, too high, boom, shuts down. Oh, does it? Mine is like, like, okay, uh, kick in overdrive. Yeah, it just kind of gives up, stupid brain. <laughs> Been there. All right, uh, you had mentioned it a little bit in the intro. I want to hear your favorite box art of these games. So as we said, some of these are basic. Some of them sell a different game entirely. Yeah. Like you see this huge, sprawling expanse, and then the game is like a little player that doesn't look anything like the movie character. (laughs) But I went with a game that represents enough. I mean, the graphics are still 8-bit, but represents what the cover showed, and that is Castlevania from (gasps) 1986. I picked the Castlevania series. You did? Yeah. For this whole thing? Well, yeah. For the box yes. art? Yes. Because I was like trying to remember, like I just kind of did a memory search on this, Kent. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what boxes that I remember staring at specifically? And I remember especially Castlevania 
So one. Simon's Quest is number two. Right. But the first one I think it is has the big Dracula face. Yes. Yeah, so you the have shadow, like the, the, the logos visible and memorable. You have the dramatic image where Simon is standing back to the camera. The whip is already flaying. And then it shows a long road up to the castle and the specter of Dracula appearing in the night yeah, sky. Yeah, it's like one of those uh, 80s uh, glamour shots where like Dracula's totally. face is kind of fading out large yeah. on the side. And it, I feel like that actually captures the game because the whole thing is going to risk your life in right. Castlevania. And yeah. by the way, the uh, box art of Castlevania, enter your own risk. If you think it's scary on the outside, wait till you see the basement, which I'm not sure that really has a lot to do with the game. But yeah. OK, when you finally meet the count, you'll know he's going for the jugular. So keep your courage up and stake sharp and say your prayers. <laughs> I love these things. Wow. Uh, this was uh, like Castlevania is one of those series that I just really enjoyed all the games on it. Mm. Uh, and it, like you even like Simon's Quest, which is a radical departure. Simon's Quest is the Super Mario Bros. Two <laughs> of the Castlevania world. It's yeah. a true story. Uh, but no, it wasn't until three that gave like, Trevor Belmont or something like that. And Trevor's three. great. It's he's no Simon. Sure, but I really do like this. It's artwork. Like you look at these, and it's like the, the whip is like kind of curled around him as he's about to crack. It's it. like the Drew Sturzen of Nintendo it's art. It's so good. I yeah. would I would totally hang these up on my wall if my wife would let me. Dra- Castlevania actually originally it was supposed to be called uh, Dracula's Satanic Castle. That's what the Japanese kind of translated Moms over to. Moms would have never allowed that in their homes. Yeah. And then for and we were talking about art. I believe it was on the release of Simon's Quest because the whole point of Simon's Quest uh, Tra- Castlevania 2 is that you defeated Dracula in the first one. He put a curse on you. Mm-hmm. So now you've got to find his body parts and bring them back together so that he can be resurrected so you can kill him again and kill the curse. Yes. and Which makes total sense. <laughs> but apparently uh, Nintendo Power, I want to say, or Game Pro, I think it was Nintendo Power, they had an image that the came magazine. out of the magazine cover, and it was uh, Simon Belmont uh, holding Dracula's severed head. And parents freaked out. Oh, that's awesome, though. Yeah. It, and it's a really cool picture, but I was like... Yeah, you can't. It's like like the head's like has these glowing red eyes. Like it's not dead. Yeah. It's, it's creepy. But like kids were like parents were complaining and saying their kids had nightmares and stuff like that. And I'm I really wish I had that poster too because it looks really cool. But not for kids probably. probably okay, for kids. <laughs> I'm gonna get it. Yeah, but yeah, Castlevania. We both agree. Yeah, and air boop poop. Hey, guess what, guys? I also picked Castlevania. Yeah, <laughs> it's a sweep. And isn't it funny what your your kid imagination would with even eight bit graphics and backgrounds you would imagine happening in the game. Like some of these games were too intense for us. There's a little too much thigh too on the cover. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <'Cause I'm> <laughs> never <laughs> too much thigh. Absolutely. Yeah. But something seems scary, but you look at the graphics, you're like, I can't even see what that is anymore. But in your mind, like I remember, like when I played these games again, I was like, man, I remember this being a lot better. And I think it was just my kid brain. Nostalgia. Compensating for Absolutely. what I was seeing. Let's maybe look forward as well as looking back. I want to hear the game that you think deserves a reboot gonna go hipster on this one of course you well joel's the resident hipster of vacancy 2020 i'm i chose 1990s time lord doctor who no actually nothing to do with doctor who and but when i heard the word time lord when i actually started watching doctor who i was like oh like the nintendo game because you can't mention doctor who and video games in the same episode i know Uh, this was actually this was published by uh, milton bradley company for the nintendo entertainment system okay uh here's the synopsis and i'm going to read it in my voice my uh, announcer voice and please try to keep a straight face during this okay gentlemen (laughs) In the year 2999, Earth is under siege by aliens from the planet Dracon. Using time travel technology, they have sent armies to the four, to four periods in human history with the intention of altering history to make humankind easier to conquer in the present. 
the player assumes the control of the Time Lord, who has until January 1st, 3000 AD, <laughs> to vanquish the enemy in the past, or else he will self-destruct along with the time machine. <laughs> but I'm so confused. <laughs> so Y3K is what we're talking about, basically. Yeah, Y3K. So, mm-hmm. And the thing is, all it really is is you're this character who starts out in kind of this scientific lab, and then you walk into this time travel machine, and like these pixels start swirling around you, and you change colors. It's kind of a quantum leap effect. And all of a sudden, you're back in medieval England. And then you have to fight in medieval England with like knights and stuff like that. And then you fight through that. And then you once you gather these five orbs, uh-huh. you then are able to travel to the next era, which is the Old West, I think it is. And you go to the Caribbean, then you go to France. So it's really not that long of a game. But I'll tell you what, I could never get past. I think it was the Caribbean. I just, it was too hard. But this game, I was obsessed with for some reason because I love the concept of just traveling through these distant periods of time, different right. periods of time. And, and fighting different enemies in those eras, related to those eras. It was mm-hmm. kind of a fun variety game. I, I imagine it would be something like Assassin's Creed now, where you're able to travel through different periods of time. And I mean, yeah. well, that's, all, that's all one Renaissance-type era, isn't it? Or no? In many of the games, yes. Yeah. So, and then you have this clock up at the top, too, that measures the time. So one day in present time transpires in six seconds. So you have 36 minutes and 30 seconds to complete the entire game. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all that. it gives you. So you watch the clock tick down the whole time. But that's just cool. the mechanics, the mechanics games are very kind of clunky. Like it's kind of hard to control exactly what you want to do. And it's kind of trying to be 3D, but not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is one of those games I thought, you know, I like the concept. If they could do this right, because I liked it as a dumb NES game. Right. If they did like it right. Little to no story. Yeah. And they did it right. I think this could be a really fun thing to do. Okay. I'm going to try that out tonight. Time Lord. Sounds fun. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> All right, Kent, what is your pick? The game I feel deserves a reboot is Track and Field. Nice. Oh, like with the power with, pad? With the mat? So that was actually the family fun fitness game, but there was like, so that one didn't actually need the power mat. Because mm. remember the the power pad, you never actually ran on. No, you, no, you just slapped it with your hands. hands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. This one, I don't know if that used it. it. This is actually an adaptation of an arcade game. came out in 19... 19- 84 and then track and field 2 was the real one that really gained steam on the nes so this is basically just wii sports though it's basically wii sports so you have fencing triple jump freestyle swimming high dive clay pigeon shooting hammer throwing taekwondo pole yeah. vault canoeing hang gliding all this good stuff right 15 games in track and field all two. that hang gliding you do on track and field <laughs> exactly. i remember those field days at school so the back of the box says get psyched block out the roar of the crowd and take a deep breath because it's not whether you win or lose it's whether you survive in track and field what this is why i think this needs a reboot because we are now in the time where vr is getting to levels where it's fun and there's more you can do than just like a basic mini game in this you could do 15 mini games Mm -hmm. through vr and just imagine like canoeing you have two controllers anyways with vr Mm -hmm. and can track your movement and yes it doesn't really track your feet all that well but sometimes you push buttons and you pushed it down with your arms if you're going to do hurdles for example yeah or hang gliding. Imagine you are holding your arms out and you will see the land underneath you. That would be fun. Nintendo does not have a VR system currently, but whether it's the Vive or the Oculus or the PlayStation VR, I feel like track and field could be rebooted and be something that really sells VR. Yeah. Because it could look incredible. And honestly, there haven't been Olympic games that have been popular 
probably since the NES no. days. There's a few Mario, Mario and Sonic, and Sonic ones. versus or whatever the Olympics. Right, they do have every Sonic, Sonic and Mario versus the Olympics. <laughs> whatever, I play that game. <laughs> they took it down. There's a couple scandals and everything. I could use a good sports game that's like all around sports, and honestly, would be good exercise as well. Oh. Oh, so I was talking about I could just be a virtual athlete, not a no, real no, athlete. No, no, with VR, you need to stand up, Joel. You don't just get to sit down. Oh, I'm I sorry. don't want to stand up. <laughs> but sit it, down to play my game. It looks cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but, okay. you know, there's like a Target one, and that would be really easy to do as well. Clay pigeons would be really fun. It'd be really yeah. fun and look yeah. realistic. So track and field. VR. Yes. Okay. I played that. Nice. Did you guys ever play Balloon Fight? Yeah. Yeah. I want a reboot of Balloon Fight. How would it look? It would be the same style with like fresh graphics, 60 frames a second, nice and smooth, but still the same. <laughs> but I mean, we're talking like more realistic looking balloons or still cartoony? Like a cartoony art style. Okay. But, uh, and you're I looking want, at it from the side? So I still want like, I basically just want that game just really smooth. Nice. I love Balloon Fight. Uh, let's talk about your weirdest licensed game. Now, when we say license game, mm-hmm. it's when the company says it's it's like a sponsorship or a partnership where they're like, hey, this cool movie comes out. Let's make a video game version of it. Or, hey, this television series is really popular. Let's do a video game version like, of it. For example, the only movie to come out this year was The Invisible Man. And, they, and so LJ, LJ, Trolls. LJN would have said, hey, we're going to make an Invisible Man game that has nothing to do with the movie. Oh, That's yep. the problem is you get these licensed games and it's like, OK, we're going to play like we, we talked about E.T. on the Atari. Mm-hmm. Whereas like E.T. is a very popular movie. Let's do a game. And it's like this brown tan blur. Yeah. Walking around the screen. Falls in a pit. To find Am- Reese's Pieces. Who or knows? Something, but you fall in a pit a lot yeah, and nothing you get to do stuck. With it. And sometimes they take way creative licenses. Like I remember, uh, this isn't one I talked about. I hope it's not one you talked about. But Goonies two, yes, yeah. But that was a direct sequel to the movie, and the movie never was made. Right. Yeah. So the thing is, but they, they did the Goonies. It's like the only Goonies game that I know is Goonies. They didn't 2. make Goonies one. Yeah, and so they call it Goonies two, and it has nothing to do with the movie. But I love Great that soundtrack. Game. Yeah. But like you're walking around hitting people with a yo-yo mm-hmm. and trying to find a key that opens this portal to something else. Like it's bizarre. So I'm going to go with Back to the Future two and three. Whoa, yes, compilation pack. Yeah. See, I played back. I owned Back to the Future one and played mm-hmm. it a lot. It's horrible. It's kind of an awful game. Yes, but I still played a lot. I don't remember two and three as much. So it came in a combo pack because obviously two games are not even as good as one. Right. So even one, you collect clocks so you don't run out of time and hula hoopers are trying to kill you. They're not trying to kiss you. Yeah, but they still, when they touch you, you're dead. Yes, which makes no sense. (laughs) So in this one, this is Back to the Future 2 is like the majority of this game. If you want to play three, you can play all six hours of this game because two and three together is six hours. Hours. On By the, the way, NES? Yes. No saves at all. You had to do this in one sitting. Are you kidding me? Isn't that crazy? That is insane. So no one ever got to three. But in two, it follows the story. Biff has the almanac. So you're in this alternate future. And so you were fighting piranhas, snails, Koopa shells, flappy birds, and runaway trash cans. They're Wait, all trying to kill you. You said it wasn't like the movie, though. Yeah. I remember the Koopa shells. There's lots of them. Yeah, so many Koopa shells. Exactly. Like, it's like a post-apocalyptic nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Piranhas for sure. And nothing's ever explained. And when you jump on something, a random key will fly out, but it doesn't hit the ground. It just flies off screen. So you often miss the keys because you have to get to doors to get secret items in this game. Hmm. It is... One of the worst games I've ever played. I'm going to have to give this a shot. Please then. play this. I did I did just play, like last night, I played Back to the Future 1, mm-hmm. like the first Back to the Future NES game. And I hated 
how easily you could die. Like I would be, yeah, yeah. I'd be doing great. And then I'd trip, I'd, I'd touch a wall and I'd die. Yeah. The Same in this game. Stupid bees would touch me and I would die. Yeah. I don't remember bees in Back to the Future. <laughs> They're there, apparently, deleted apparently. scenes. <laughs> uh, but this was made by LJN Games. And if you've seen the toys that made us, you'll know a lot about LJN. Yeah. But they made so many horrible licensed games like Spider-Man and Sinister Six, Jaws, Beetlejuice, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which Joel loves. I do. Friday Uncanny X-Men and Karate Kid. Most of these games have nothing to do with the movie. Yeah. Credit Kid's awesome. No, it's not. I really do like Credit Kid. It's pretty fun, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Joel, what was yours? The year was 1989. Summer of 1989. Oh. And I got to see Batman yes. in the theaters. Then, in February 1990, the video game, same logo, Michael Keaton on the cover. The graphics start up, and I'm like, it's Batman! Batman versus the Joker. This is, Who the crap are these robots? <laughs> Yeah. And so you spend this whole game, <laughs> like it's this five levels of like this kind of, it's not even Gotham. It's like this post-apocalyptic it future factory. factory. Yeah. And you're fighting these robots and these like. Well, you always need fodder. Yeah. Right? There always needs to be goons. But it looked like it starts out and all the cut scenes are like from the movie where like the Batmobile, like the guns pop up and shoot down the gate or like when mm. the Joker will say something. You say that like they're actually seeing movie clips, not just poorly colored pixels. But to me, that was the coolest part. And right. then I go back to the crappy gameplay. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was you could kind of jump on wall jump. There's kind of cool, like a little Batman grappling thing going back and forth. It's like Ninja Gaiden a little bit. And I, I, I learned something, though, Kent, because the thing is, you actually go through what they say, Gotham City Streets. Axis Chemical Plant, Gotham Sewers, Mysterious Laboratory, and then the Gotham Cathedral Bell Tower. Mm -hmm. So you get to the Bell Tower, and you do fight the Joker at the end, who's insanely hard. Yeah. But he I hits learned, you with lightning. But here's what I learned. <laughs> this is the weird part. Apparently, a lot of the characters in this are official DC Comics villains. Such as, and this is the thing, the Batman movie was Batman versus Joker. So you know when they made the video game, they were going to include Deadshot, KG Beast, Maxi Zeus, Heat Wave, Shakedown, and Night Slayer, as well as Killer Moth, the, ex the Electrocutioner, and Firebug as some of the bosses. No way. But it's like they took the most random, stupid characters and threw them in the game as just... I mean, Deadshot's pretty cool. Deadshot's great. But he doesn't look like Deadshot. No, not KG at all. KG Beast is cool, too. It yeah. was kind of just... The, and the thing is, I should clarify, I did play this game a lot and I enjoyed it because it's a Batman game because it was Batman it's a good Batman game but, but it's weird compared to the movie literally could have swapped that I, I'm I'm actually not entirely convinced they didn't just swap out the Batman character with a ninja or whoever had there in the first place because everything I else, think it was a Ninja Gaiden game yeah yeah it doesn't look like Batman it's weird but that's I, I also should clarify I chose one that I actually played a lot because mm -hmm. as I was scrolling through the games yesterday and playing some of the stupid games you told me to like Hudson Hawk that was awful Yonoid I didn't play Yonoid, Yonoid. Yet, <laughs> but I I kind of scrolled through a couple like oh I know that movie I'll play it and then I was like this gameplay is crash terrible. test dummies five five seconds into it and I'm like I'm done yep. let me out of here Oof. sorry Fester's Quest <laughs> Fester's Quest. Never apologize to <laughs> Fester's Quest. Terrible. Did you guys know that there's a Tom Sawyer game for the NES? Have you played what? this game? No. Yeah. I know it's like it's like public domain, so it's not Are you just floating licensed? on the uh, Mississippi? Pretty much. Yeah. It's really bad, but I've played wow. it way too much. Tom Sawyer. I'll look it up. Tom Sawyer. The RetroPie really does have just like this list of games, just category, like hundreds and hundreds of games that you just scroll through, and so I'll have to go look it up. It's, it's interesting. I mean, it depends what ROM you get, but... All right, this next category is a really fun one for me. I want to hear your best video game music. What do you got, Joel? So 
there are actually a number of options here that I could have gone with. Many. And I would have been fine with any of those. And I hope Kent, we didn't pick the same one just for variety's sake. But I fear we will because the one I'm choosing is your crush. I'm choosing this. Hey. That is Lindsay Sterling playing the Legend of Zelda theme. I like that you went specifically with Lindsay Sterling (laughs) playing this song. I just like it. Joy. You have picked the best game music. Is that the one you picked? It's the same exact one. Dang Although it. I didn't go as far as picking Lindsay Sterling. Dang it. But they're you also hands, Zelda. hands down. Because game composition, like we remember, I mean, I play at the end of every show. If you guys haven't made it to the end of the show yet, I play chiptunes. And it's 8-bit versions. That started, I think, around the time we did our uh, the podcast another couple I believe episodes. so, yeah. We did an 8-bit version of, it was an 8-bit version of Bacon Sale. Uh, excuse me. Footloose. 8-bit version of Footloose. It's, it's episode, now the Bacon yeah. Sale song. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, and so sometimes they're good, but when you have a level that's like 20 minutes to play, it's the same repeated song over and over again. It gets very repetitive. Because the memory on those those little right. cartridges is very small. Yeah. So, But there are very few games where the music stands out and has lasted decades, and that is The Legend of Zelda. But that's just it. Ken, I was going to pick the Super Mario Brothers theme song because that is so iconic and so fun to hear. And there are so many good tracks as well. Yeah, I mean, the underworld, the underworld stuff and the above world stuff. Like, There's mm-hmm. so many good tracks in there that the star theme... There's so many good ones there. I should have picked it because I, I should have known you gone for Lindsay Sterling. So the game creators <laughs> tried to get Maurice Ravel's Bolero for the theme, okay. actually. Couldn't get the rights. So Which they, if you don't know, go look it up because it actually is a pretty memorable piece. It is. It's a well-known song. Yeah. But then they, they got uh, Koji Kondo, who was the in-house composer, and he created this masterpiece. He actually did Mario as well. But if you've, if you've heard a Super Mario Brothers theme or Zelda theme in the past 30, 40 years, yes. it's probably by him. So amazing. And so you have the main theme, the menu theme is great, the overworld, dungeon theme, Ganon's theme. Yeah. There's so many memorable pieces in here. And the reason I chose this one, though, above the Mario one, is I love the Mario one, but I don't have any covers of the Mario one on my playlist. Okay. Mm. I have the Legend of Zelda theme by Apocalyptica on my playlist, so Mm -hmm. I can listen to it. And I love it as a separate entity. So I still listen to that one as its own cover. And... I don't do that with the Mario one, although oh, I should because so I really good. enjoy it too. We were, when we were actually planning this show, I was playing uh, like a lo-fi version of, of uh, Legend of Zelda music. Oh, yeah? You guys remember last oh, week? Oh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. The chill music. Yeah. Um, I think that the Legend of Zelda as a franchise has the best music in all of gaming. But it shouldn't. Better than Final Fantasy? No, yes. that's not true. It's, it, it shouldn't work, though, because you're in the overworld for like the entire game. You just see over, over Link. Not Zelda, but Link. And it's the same music again and again, unless you're in the dungeon. It should get so boring. Like, you should just be like, I'm sick of it. This earworm is the worst, but you love it the entire time. Oh, God. There was one game I was playing yesterday, and I said, I have to stop it because the music is driving me crazy. And I can't remember what it is, but no. Yeah, but I never got that with Zelda. Yeah. Even though I didn't really care for the game as much as other people. Sure. Yeah, uh, but the music has stuck it out. Didn't you guys both say it was overrated in a different the game? Show? We did yeah. on the, on yeah. the podcast yeah. in the castle. Yeah, fantastic choice, gentlemen. I will say my personal favorite is actually Mega Man Two, though. There's some great music in Mega Man. It's good music. Remember how you just said Legend of Zelda had the best oh, music as, out there as as a whole, as a franchise. But Mega Man Two is amazing. It, it I'm is trying to remember. Music. I can't remember the. What, how does the music go? Well, there's the main. There's like the main. Um, 
That's like every time the boss comes out. But I never got that far because I threw my controller and hit the TV. But every boss had a different theme. Curse you, Bubble Man! It's varied and it's really good. I think Zelda is better, but shout out to Mega Man 2. Every show. Every show you give a shout out to Mega Man 2. And this one actually fits, so thank you. Mega High! Yeah, I also want to give a special shout out to Grease 2. No. Uh, not again. <laughs> All right. What's the one that your parent would play with you? For this one, I have Gauntlet 2. Nice. Really? Yeah. Your mom or your dad? My dad. Yeah. Mo- oh, my, my mom hated the Nintendo. That's what I was trying to figure out. Yeah. Like if she knew I was playing it, she'd be like, don't you have vacuuming to do? <laughs> Go vacuuming clean your room. sucks, mom. <laughs> I throw all my clothes in my closet. Like, mom, my room's clean. And then I just hurry and go hide and play Nintendo. She's like, she hated the Nintendo. Whereas my dad was like, what are you playing? And I'm like, oh, this cool fantasy game. I'm a wizard right now. Do you want to play and be my archer? He's like, yeah, sure. And Gauntlet 2 was really easy to pick up and play because you could be a warrior, a Valkyrie, a wizard, or an elf. And Gauntlet 1 is good. I'm not going to say Gauntlet 2 improves on the formula very much, but just enough because you could also choose the color of clothes for your Mm. character as well. The most infuriating thing, though, is the on the back of the box, they say there's... Okay, I'll say it here. Step back into the mazes of the dark dungeons with Thor, Thyra, Questor, and Merlin. I, I want my name to be Questor. <laughs> with over 100 new mazes to explore, experience all the action, graphics, and sounds of the arcade. So they say over 100 levels. There's actually 999 levels. What? Yeah. Crazy, right? So you think there would be an ending. By the way, this game feels a lot like what Diablo was probably based on. Okay. Because you travel through rooms and just ghosts or skeletons or gnomes come at, come at you and you have to destroy their base this where they're being born. This is an overhead game if I remember right. It is. Yeah. And it is, it's a really fun game and I sunk so much time. I think I got to level 120. And then I finally said, where's the end? I got to level 100. How did I not beat this game? That's the thing though. There is literally no end to this game. Oh wow. You beat level 999. There's not even a final boss. It, then it says level one. And you start over. Isn't that so aggravating? It's very (laughs) aggravating. 1,000. Okay, I always get frustrated. Like, I always wish, and this wouldn't work, but I always wish there would be some sort of, like, as a kid, I was like, I wish if you beat a game, like, just some cash would dispense out of the console just as a reward. That'd be nice. Congratulations. But it's always like, good job. You won. Yeah. Bye-bye. And this was, like I said, this is a game that was easy enough for my dad to play because, like, it could go up to four players, which... Obviously, the NES didn't have four-player ports, right. but you could get the additional part. That was like yeah. the L-shaped thing. Mm-hmm. Splits out. Yeah. And so we could jump in or my brother could play and I'd be like, oh, my gosh, we have a whole fellowship here. <laughs> and then if you wanted to leave, he could just die and, and leave the game. And I could keep going on and try to beat this impossible to beat game. That's a great choice. Yeah. All right. I had uh, Gauntlet growing up, too, but it was one of those... Um, like off the beaten path black cartridges that were not actually licensed right. by Nintendo. What? Yeah, because all of them were gray except for Legend of like Zelda, the gray, which was gold. Uh, my Micro Machines as well. Shout out to Micro Machines was gold. We what? Had, yeah. That wasn't officially licensed. Oh, it was. Micro none, Machines game? None so according to, well, the, no, I was going to say none, not gold though. Zach's Black Market. Oh, okay. Oh, mm-hmm. it's good. Um, but, but yeah. Fred Meyer. <laughs> it was a yeah the Tengen games had like a black cartridge and there was a whole lawsuit about it what? but the one of the, the only one we had was Gauntlet the first one so hmm. good choice what do you got Joel uh, I chose one that actually came out before the Nintendo was even a thing uh, but it was an arcade game that then became a Nintendo game which my dad would play with me because it was one of his favorite games it's Joust 
Yes. Oh, Joust. So, Joust, if you don't know, uh, you're a knight riding a flying ostrich. What? And you Excuse are, me? when you, if your joust, if your javelin is higher than the other person's javelin, you will then turn them into an egg, which you must collect, <laughs> or else they'll rehatch and jump on another ostrich. Also, watch out for the pterodactyls and the lava monster. I love this game. Just like real medieval times. Exactly. <laughs> love it. Uh, so, this is one that it's such a simplistic game, but. The way it, the mechanics of the game make it so you, I don't get tired of it. Like the levels get progressively harder, mm-hmm. things get progressively crazier, things go away, things change. And it's fun just to play together because you are cooperative, but you can also hurt each other. Uh, so it is a co op game, not just a 1v1 game. Yes. And that's the thing is it, it was kind of revolutionary, this cooperative gameplay. That's why when it came out, it kind of revolutionized that concept of working together to fight uh, the villain together. Hmm. And my dad. On flying ostriches. On flying ostriches, of course. And this was actually uh, listed, Guinness Book uh, World Records listed it as one of the main games that had a, uh, let me read here, technical, creative, and cultural impact because of what this game did. And if you look up the history what about it. What did it, it do? Well, it just kind of, it just the way the mechanics of the game, how it came together, and how it changed games after that is kind of fascinating to see. So if you ever want to, you know, look up Joust and read about it, you can. <laughs> no one's gonna. It's so fun to do this history research, <laughs> yeah. though. I just don't want to get on the big silks because we're running long already. All right, Joel, what's a game that everyone loved, but you never got into? And this isn't necessarily that I hated it. Yeah, you just weren't as I bet it. we have the same answer. I don't know if we do. Go ahead. I'm doing Kirby's Adventure. Oh, we don't. Wow. You so, don't like Kirby? Well, no, I just said I did something you I didn't hate, like. You hate Kirby? Kirby? I didn't get into it. You think he sucks. He does. Yeah. Uh, no, this came out May 1993, which means I was already moving on to... Okay. Kind of, okay. I, was a, I was a teenager at this point, Girls. so I was moving on to... Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> uh, but this came out, uh, I mean, they had uh, Kirby's Dreamland on on the Game Boy, and then it became Kirby's Adventure, where they could do a lot more. They actually made him pink and made him, you know, gum up the, what's it called? When he eats people and then turns into their powers, the replicator, the copy, or something like that. Mm-hmm. They gave him that power in that. Uh, but I... He fought in our video game bracket. He did. Yeah. And I had to do research on him because I never got into the Kirby games. Neither did I. In fact, I. when I saw him on Super Smash Brothers, I was like, ah, it's the guy that can float, right? And all of a sudden he starts eating people. I'm like, oh, wow, he's pretty powerful. And then he would not fall. Like he gets to the edge of the thing. He just goes, <gasps> yeah. flies right back on. I'm like, you punk. Yeah, Kirby so, is the Smash Brothers easy mode. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Kirby's Adventure is one that it's not that I hate it. And I played a little bit of it before mm-hmm. tonight, uh, today, excuse me, Magic of Podcasting, <laughs> but uh, I just never got into it. So Kirby's yeah, I, don't, one I don't even blame you. It's kind of a blind spot. Yeah. Okay. You know what's a worse game than that, but people love? I didn't mm. say worse. I said I'm not into you it. You don't like it, but you know what's worse? Mm. Metroid. Stop. From 1987. Uh, it's you against the evil mother brain in the thrilling battle brain. of Metroid. This game is stagnant. You just don't get it. I Oh, I get it. No, you don't get it. Can't and I played it. Zach, I don't know. I don't know if we brought this up on the show before, but Kent just really doesn't like a strong female protagonist in oh, these games. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Samus Aran is a woman? Spoilers! You use the zero suit all the time, you know. <laughs> Wait, I'm in the zero suit all the time? Right now you are, yes. <laughs> You're welcome. It's, it's pandemic proof. Metroid is a game that just starts you off, and you can roll in a ball and get hit, and the level design is hideous. It's just flat, patchy colors. Uh, there's When you have low life, there's an alarm. That goes off mm-hmm. and it's grating. It just oh, it makes me want to turn off the game. I don't hate this one nearly as much as I think you do. Play it again. I, I think people have nostalgic the, memories. The this, NES Metroid. I agree with you. Super Metroid. Super Metroid's amazing. Super Metroid is great. NES Metroid's because tough. they learn from their mistakes. Uh, the soundtrack is memorable, but still very dull. There's no map 
in this game, no overhead map, so you just kind of have to guess where you've been and memorize A lot of games everything. did that before. Yeah. This one like, needs one, though. This one is so Legend incredibly Legend of Zelda complex. needs one. Actually, Legend of Zelda, I think, came with a map if you bought it officially. Well, Nintendo Power released a map. Hmm. But there's no internal saving, so you're forced to enter a 24-character password every time you respond. 24 characters. I remember having notes for both like Castlevania, I think yeah. Metroid as well. And I'd have to draw like little vials and axes. And I had paper. I probably have still have paper somewhere with Castlevania Metroid codes on them. Yeah. Like I, I don't think I ever used them again, but I always wrote them down. You didn't use them again? I would like, I'd walk away and they come back and be like, I got a code. But you had 37 codes on that paper. Which one was the right one? Well, I didn't know. Yeah. I'd try to enter it and be like, dang it, no. But this mother brain is an incredibly mother hard brain. boss battle. Yeah. And this game is hard to play and not worth it. I would give a huge recommendation, though. They actually remade this game for the Game Boy Advance. It's called Metroid Zero Mission, um, and it is fantastic. Hmm. So the remake is is Save it for that show, Zach. Yeah, the Game Boy Advance show. That for we're a Game Boy Advance show. Keep your mouth but shut. Yeah, I, I see what you mean about the original Metroid. It's tricky. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about what holds up. Kent, what's a game that totally holds up? From 1991, this is a weird choice, Okay, but Tiny Toon Adventures. Hey. Nice. Yeah. Oh, man. We all love this game, yeah, right? Yeah, it's great. Uh, except for that theme song oh, becomes uh, an earworm and will absolutely. not leave my head. So I'm sitting there playing the game. Uh, the whole time I'm playing the game, I'm like, we're tiny, we're toony, we're a little loony. Yeah. So at the back of the box says, that's right. The arch enemy of Acme Acres, Montana Max, has kidnapped the ever so popular Babs Bunny. Now the furry female's fate rests in the paws of Buster Bunny and his crime fighting pals because they fight crime. Apparently. It's a fu- well, but it's a fun game. It's one of those licensed ones it's, where you're like, this is a, a Mario clone. Granted, platformers were kind of all the same, but yeah. this one feels and kind of looks like Mario, but it mixes it up enough. Like you can turn into a secondary character like Plucky. Which they use a lot of the characters from the show in this. And oh, it's kind of cool to see them. It's full of characters from the show. Yeah. And so, and the graphics are good enough where it's not just like a small sprite character. It looked like the, the it cartoon. It looks like him. And, yeah. and like you said, the music's there. It's a little much, too much there. You can turn on the volume though. But it's still very good. So you can be Dizzy Devil, Devil, Furball. You fight the villains. I mean, it's furball, so much fun. There's go, boss battles insane. at the end of every level. The gameplay is smooth. And I mean, I, I played this today. I'm like, I could beat this right now. It would probably take me 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And be enjoyable the entire time. Can't you went with WB? Yes. I'm going with Disney. Okay. Because I'm choosing DuckTales. Oh, DuckTales. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. Amazing music um, in this game. The music is great. The thing is, I was actually going to pick Contra, but I already kind of sang its praises on uh, episode 17, the podcast Another Castle. Mm-hmm. And so I chose DuckTales in this one because this, as I was scrolling through dozens of games and just playing like a couple seconds of them, this is one where I actually tried to play as far as I could and be like, okay, how, co- how far can I get without dying? And I had so much fun. So this one, if you don't know, it's a story of Scrooge McDuck traveling around the globe, collecting treasure and outwitting his rivals to become the world's richest duck. And you'll go to places like African Mines, the Amazon, the Himalayas, Transylvania, and the moon. <laughs> of course. The best part about this game is the fact that you the can... The cane. The cane, because you can either use the cane as a baseball bat or as a pogo stick. And I Only will, as a pogo stick. I will just be bounce honest. around levels the whole time. Like, basically, that's how I travel is yes. by pogo stick. Me too. It's so much fun. And you and it's nonlinear gameplay, meaning you can jump from start at any level one. You start Transylvania if you want or mm-hmm. Himalayas. doesn't matter. It matters a little bit because there's some things where you have to unlock something with something you got in an earlier level. And you'll always end up back in Transylvania to fight Dracula Duck at the end. But at the end of this game, you can get one of three endings depending on how much money you have. The regular ending, the super poor ending, or the super rich ending. What happens in these endings? 
basically just a different graphic of how much pile of money you're sitting on in a different newspaper. This is what I hate about (laughs) NES games as well. Usually at the end, if you beat the boss, it's kind of like those old cop TV shows or movies where it just kind of the camera pans up into the sky and you really get no conclusion. Right. Because these games give you an ending that says, end, congratulations, and that's it. This one like says, like Scrooge defeats uh, the final person and it's like he jumps up, does this weird kind of a move it's weird. And all of a sudden he turns into a newspaper clipping where it's like Scrooge loses his fortune while searching for treasure or Scrooge uh, finds more treasure or Scrooge is now even more rich. Like it kind of just depends what it is, but hmm. it's good. It's a good it's ending. Great. It's a fun game. It's yes. so much fun. So I highly recommend playing this one still. They actually have had a remake of that one. I think it came out for the PlayStation three and Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. Oh, same exact gameplay, just new graphics. Oh, nice. cool. It's great. That. Well, Joel, let's go to the other side of it. What do you think is a game that doesn't hold up? I feel bad saying this one because it used to be one of my favorite games. And it did change kind of the way games are played. Yeah. But I'm going with 1987's Double Dragon. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard to play. It was yeah. back in the day. I was like, oh, wow, these graphics are cool. And oh, wow. You know, it's you walk around fighting people. But then you get games like uh, they call them beat em up games, also known as brawlers. Mm-hmm. Where I like this, it says, it's a video game genre featuring hand-to-hand combat between the protagonist and an improbably large number of opponents. (laughs) I'm like, yeah. But then you get things like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to the arcade game. Yes. Where it's like faster play and all that. Turtles in time. It's, it's, and that's the thing, it's that type of game. But this one, you play, you take control of Billy Lee or Jimmy, uh, and you fight the Black Warriors in Try to Save the Girl. Oh, yeah. This game starts out... With a woman getting sucker punched in the gut and carried off, which was a little weird. Like, okay, kids, let's play Double Dragon. That's how Super Ooh. Mario Brothers starts, too. <laughs> what? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they do. Uh, I played this one just with my kids recently, and I was like, wow, this is really slow gameplay. The fighting mechanics are it's not, not good. good. And you can pick up stuff that people drop and then use it, but then picking up again is, I don't know, it's just, it's clumsy. It is weird that we have such good memories of this game. Yeah. And it was never all that much fun to play. I think the big thing is that it's just been done better. And I'd much rather play Simpsons than Streets of Rage. And if you do do remember this game being a lot of fun, you're probably thinking of the arcade version where you could play with the two players together. Because this one is where you have to take turns if you do two players. Oh, yeah. And so you're like, you have to wait for your brother forever (laughs) till you get to play again because you're the little brother. brother? I'm the little brother in this case. Right. And I had to wait forever for him to be done so I could die in five seconds and he gets to play again. (laughs) Good choice. How about you, Kent? Uh, Mine is from 1988 and it's Ghostbusters. Oh, I played this one just barely. It's awful. And I enjoyed uh, it. Oh, you knock it off right did, now. Even though I, I, don't, didn't, I don't know why, okay. but I was kind of getting a kick out of it. So this is a race against time because if the PK meter goes up to 9,999, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man will destroy the city. But to win the game, you have to earn $10,000 and beat that that time clock. You're well, trying you have to, to beat 10, you have to earn $10,000 and then go up the tower because Zool, Zool is there. Yeah. There's, I think, five missions and by five missions i just mean screens in this game and that's it because this one almost has nothing to do with ghostbusters except for no. you shoot bb's it ghosts in the sky no this is a really poorly graphic and there's uh, avatars of the ghostbuster logo at some point yeah this is such a poorly designed game there's oh a my. driving simulator which is you horrible. have to drive from building to building every it's time horrible. you go to a new building unless you run out of gas and then you have to go back to the overview map where the ghosts are closing in i 
hate this game. I enjoy it. Has it has n- almost nothing to do with Ghostbusters. It's not good. And the Ghostbusters music seems to be played in the minor key. Yeah, I. it's atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> I, and this is an example of a licensed game that people probably bought. I bet for Christmas, a mom was like, oh, my son loves the Ghostbusters movie. It's almost a perfect movie. Yeah. I'm going to buy him the video game. And these kids like, mom... I hate this. But Christmas is ruined. You can go to the store and buy ghost food that then you can lure the ghost down so you can zap them and put them in a trap. You just shoot BBs up in the air and the ghost kind of It's a string of BBs. It's like, it's like, it's basically the beam. It's just poorly graphics. (laughs) Everything about this is poor. What do you mean? Almost a perfect movie. Well, okay. Ghostbusters is perfect. Moving on. Um, Before we get to the real hipster in Joel, uh, Kent, Hmm. what is your hipster pick? From 1990, it's Little Nemo, the Dream Master. Yes! Thank you, you so much for me. I love this game. Oh, I'm going to look this, this up. The music's so good. It's so good. This is almost my music choice. So Little Nemo receives a royal invitation to visit the castle in Slumberland. Is he dreaming? It seems the princess is looking for a new playmate. I'm so happy right now. Okay. No, no, no. Joel, let me describe the intro movie because this one actually gives a story. This one is based off an anime. Oh, I'm looking up the video here and this looks weird. So the, the gameplay a is clown incredible. talking to a little kid right no, now. No, get this. This is what the clown says. Uh, the clown, the messenger, wakes up Nemo, to, and he says, come to Wonderland so you can be the princess's playmate. And Nemo says, if she's a princess, she must be a girl. I've never played with a girl. And he says, yeah, but we have all the candy you'd want in Slumberland. He says, oh, I like candy. Anyone smart enough to give me candy can't be all that bad. <laughs> and so <laughs> That's the, clown the actual takes, words from the yeah, game? literally. Yeah. Anyone smart enough to give me candy can't be all that bad. This is hips. What the heck? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> what are you seeing? Well, I just I turned on the gameplay here just so I could watch it, and it's not ringing any bells. But he just hit a gorilla with a baseball, and now he's riding on the gorilla's back. Yeah. You-, you feed candy to animals, and you could become them. You jump into their skin, and you can become these animals. The frog is skinwalkers. Is this a game for? Skinwalkers? It's kind of a skinwalker game. Honestly, your kids would really like this one, Joel. My kids it's, are big into skinwalkers. <laughs> you can, uh, you have like a bee costume. You can, or you can be the bee. It's, it feels it's like, like a Mario blob. It feels like a Mario three element where you can become different things for different parts of the mission. But it's, I don't know. It, the graphics are really kind of stellar for a 1990 game. And yeah, so definitely cool. play he's this riding, one. He's riding a lizard now. I, I, I can't recommend this highly enough. Yes. Great choice, Kent. No, I may have to try game. it. It doesn't, it doesn't Joel, look... Joel, you need to play it's it. It's one of the best NES games. It's great. so weird. All right. My hipster pick is actually grounded in a little more reality, Kent. Oh, more than going somewhere for free candy? Yeah, and feeding candy to gorillas and then uh, becoming jumping their skin. Uh, I chose Rescue the Embassy Mission. Did you make that up? No. Uh, it actually was originally called Hostage Rescue Mission or just Hostage, also known as Operation Jupiter in France. But Rescue the Embassy Mission, let me read the synopsis here. Uh, a terrorist group have overrun an embassy in Paris. The player takes control of a six-man team on a mission to free the hostages. So this game is in three stages. The first stage is getting your people into uh, position. So they have to crawl along and sneak along a path as these spotlights are growing, and you have to avoid the spotlights and like jump in windows and hide behind stuff until you get to your designated place. These people then go up, and you're a sniper, and you're looking through the embassy windows, and you see shadows, and you can open fire and take down the shadows. This seems intense for an eight-year-old. 
It's awesome. And the, the music is fantastic too. And then your repellers on the roof in the next stage and you repel down the roof and then have to jump through a window. And once you're inside the building, you have to take down the hostages and say, or, whoa, <laughs> take, take down the terrorists. Game over. No, take down the terrorists and save the hostages. But here's the fun thing about this game. It's a real quick game. Like you're playing, I don't know, 10 minutes or something like that. Really easy to conquer. But mastering it is very difficult because you have to not injure any hostages, get through it in the right amount of time, get all your people through without taking any casualties. And depending on how well you do, you get a different like newspaper clipping at the end. How are the graphics? So just like DuckTales, basically. Kind of. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the graphics are good, like not like fantastic, but I remember like... I the loved... way you described it sounded amazing. It, until well, you actually play the it's game. It's definitely like, it's definitely 8-bit territory. Mm -hmm. But it's, it, and it like, it's not as obviously good as PS4 games, that type sure. of thing. But for NES, this was one I could play over and over and over again because it was always fun to do and fun to watch. And it's always the same mission. Yeah. Yeah, you're playing, well, you can play on different levels of difficulty. So you okay. can have it. It basically shortens the amount of time you have to do it. And I would just love like walking through and the spot with, if a spotlight hits you, they open fire and you'll fall over dead. And so like, I'd love like sneaking under them because you can crawl, roll or jump. And so like I'd roll under a light just to prove how cool it was or crawl right beneath one just to be sneaky. What's it called again? Rescue the embassy mission. Rescue okay. colon the embassy mission. Give it a shot. Like I said, 10 minutes and you're done, but it's a fun game to play. I'll try it out. Did you ever play light gun games? Like Duck Hunt? Yeah. Yeah. There is a light gun game called Gumshoe. Have you played this one before? No. Yes. So it is an, it's a side scroller where the character moves and you have to sh you shoot at him to make him jump. And yeah. so he moves automatically and you just bounce him around with the light gun. It was them trying to be, okay, we got the light gun to do this one thing. What else can we do with it? Yeah. And not kill things. That's like my, my hipster shooting pick. at someone to make them move is the Warning lesson of kids. <laughs> it's super fun, but the, um, the soundtrack in it's amazing. Very cool. Check out Gumshoe. We have now reached the end of the show. We have one more category to go and it's the most appropriate, I think. It's the final boss time. Who is the most frustrating boss. We'll start with you, so Joel. So many tough bosses. Yeah. There is. And this one I feel bad because I did talk about it before on episode 17 as the best video game villain. I chose Mike Tyson from Mike Tyson's Punch. The it's answer is Mike Tyson. You chose that too? Absolutely. Abs oh. it's, a, it's the choice. I hate it when we match, but I like it when we match because we're agreeing on something, but I this want variety. This one is appropriate because you think of other bosses and there are hard ones. Joker from Batman is incredibly hard. Terribly hard. The Judge villain, Doom, I almost put. The villain from... Ninja Gaiden is really hard as well. Yeah. well Jason from Friday the 13th, really uh -huh. hard. That game, I played Friday the 13th, the worst. and it was miserable. Yes. But, uh, and yeah, Jason's very difficult. But Mike Tyson is one where if you say, even now in 2020, you say, yeah, I can beat Mike Tyson. Liar. Yeah, exactly. You fat liar. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. You yeah. say any other villain, people are like, okay, good job. But if you say, yeah, I beat Mike Tyson before, it's like a badge of pride or you're lying. Beats him without a cheat code I mean, of some sort. No one beat Bald Bull Part Two without yeah. cheat code. Let's yeah. be honest. Well, Bald Bull got so tough at that second one. So with Mike Tyson, you have to dodge every punch and you have to time your counter punch precisely. And he has very few weaknesses. And by the way, you have to last three rounds. With well, him let's too. let's bring it back real quick because yeah. let's bring it back to what punch, punch out, out is. Yes. So back in the day, this is at eighty-seven, but they had this uh, punch out game in arcades where you were like this green wireframe player. Mm -hmm. So you could, then they did made it that way. So you could see through you and see the opponent. Right. And then they were like, okay, let's put this to the games. And they're like, we don't have the, we can't do the graphics the same way on the, on the console. So they just made this little tiny guy, little Mac. So you could see the other player. That 107 the pounds, by the way. 
Oh yeah. Hey, you leave <laughs> yeah. the stats. And so then they said, okay, let's how we in the arcade, the computer is just this random AI where it just does random moves because we want people to pump in quarters. Mm-hmm. This one, people aren't pumping in quarters. Let's just make it kind of memorizable tells. Yes. So like with Great Tiger, his jewel will blink right before he's going to hit. Or E-Piston Honda, his eyebrows will wiggle right yes. before he's about to hit. And so you learn these tales and you had to memorize what they're going to do. And then you get in a rhythm of how to punch them. And then so they had this game and they're like, this is great. And then they said, well, how can we get American audiences to really be excited about this? Who's the biggest boxer right now? Mike Tyson. Yep. So he got Mike Tyson. It's rumored that he got $50,000 for three year period for his likeness. Only $50,000. Only three years. Because then after that, they had to release it, re-release it as just punch out. Do you know why? So they replaced him with Mr. Dream. And a lot of people think because he got in a lot of trouble back in the 80s and 90s. But it's actually because he lost to Buster Douglas. And so Nintendo's like, oh, we don't really believe in this guy anymore. So they (laughs) dropped his contract. But didn't have any more faith in him. still, I mean, aside from Rocky, probably the biggest name in boxing. Yeah. uh, Probably because of this game, honestly. I think a lot of kids knew him because of this game. Like if there was ever another reboot, and there have been a couple different versions, but... People always want Mike Tyson to be in the final boss in these games. So, Ken, you mentioned Mike Tyson being, if someone said they beat him, that that was like a badge of pride. Right. I almost had a badge of shame uh, when I played this just recently because I, t- I was tired. I want to admit that. I was tired. I, was, I haven't played this game for a long time. I was probably the controller's fault, but I almost got knocked. I almost got hit. Well, I, I, okay, I got hit by Glass Joe. No, oh, and I did not. I, got, I didn't get knocked out. I didn't come close, but I got hit by Glass Joe, and I went, "Oh my gosh, what have I become? I'm slow and old and terrible." Don't feel too bad because Mike Tyson also lost to Glass Joe when he first played this game back in I 2013. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, they had him play it on. Was that uh, what was that on? They had him play it, but I remember that. Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, it was actually right. that was it. Yeah. So there's actually code to get straight to Mike Tyson, so you can uh, bypass all the other players, mm-hmm. and it's actually the old Nintendo Contact Us phone number. Really? Oh. You just put their Contact Us phone number there, right to Mike Tyson, and then nice. you die immediately. Well, but then okay, I just want to run through these, and I just want your impressions of these people. Okay, Kent and, and okay, Zach. Okay. Uh, Glass Joe, we talked about. Yeah, simple, Cake. super easy. Von Kaiser, remember him? Yeah, beatable. Yeah, yeah not too bad. Piston Honda. You have to play him twice, remember? If you know the strategy, he's okay. He just yeah. he frustrated me because he blocks a lot of punches yeah. and you yeah. run out of steam pretty quick. I, I lose my patience with him. Then you get Don Flamenco. Oh, yeah. They're funny. A big swing, so easy to dodge. Yeah. And then you get King Hippo. Who? Yeah. Who is the trickiest one because you could not hit him or defeat him unless you knew the trick. Right. Which was hitting him in the mouth and punching him in the gut. Yeah. And then his pants would fall down and he'd fall down. Great Tiger with his pew, pew. More tough because if he kept getting you in the last one, dead. Yeah. And Ball Bull, who we get nightmares about Ball Bull. (laughs) (laughs) I love the 8 bit laugh. Yeah. Strangely accurate. Beatable the first time around, but you have to to fight these players. Soda Pop Pinsky. Remember him? He yeah. gets impressively drunker as the game goes on. That's right. Uh, Mr. Sandman. He was like the the black ball bull. Yep. Uh huh. And then uh, Super Macho Man. Oh, yeah. He was really tough. So, and then you get Mike Tyson. And if you made it to Mike Tyson, good on you because he was so frustrating because I'll admit, I've never defeated him. I never could. I haven't. I would like to... Or Mr. Dream. I would like to say that I have, but I think it was a lie I said to impress my friends back in the day. (laughs) So I'm going to keep up that lie today. Liar. A total liar. Liar. I believe you. By the way, you shouldn't. The music for this, the theme song uh, for Punch-Out... The doom, doom, doom. So good. That's actually Look Sharp slash B Sharp March. Composed by Malin Merrick 
and it was used in 1980, the 1980 boxing film Raging Bull. It was like kind of a sports oh. theme. They used it in Raging Bull, and so then they used it in 8-bit form for uh, Punch-Out. Huh. Didn't you love how Doc Lewis used to like cheer you on? You'd get the like the word scrawl. Select, 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 like, select. Dancing like a fly, bite like a mosquito. Or he'd say, join the Nintendo Fun Club today, Mac. Yeah, like that promotional <laughs> stuff. They put. Yeah. yeah. But that, that's, that's the cool thing about this game is it wasn't just fighting. You get the in-between matches where you get a little note about their stats and their personality. Mm-hmm. Then you have like the training scene for no... It's not like they had needed a With loading screen. Jumpsuit. Yeah, but they just have them running on the uh, on New York. It's character depth. Oh, for, and it basically yeah. just made it rocky. Yeah. Yes. Oh, totally. Yeah. That's totally what they were going for there. But I Such bought it. Such a great game. Dun, I love dun, it. Dun, 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 dun. I'll I give it. We should all play this again and I, report back when we can I, beat I him. Yeah. I'm never going to beat Mike Tyson. I'm going to give an honorable mention to Bo Jackson. I'm going to consider him a boss in Tecmo Bowl. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the one player that you could not Unbeatable. Beat. But if yeah. you were him. If you oh, were yeah. him, you were unbeatable. Yeah. And then it's not a boss, but just all of Battletoads. Oh, I hate Battletoads. Battletoads is so frustrating. So I tried that one too just recently for this blisteringly show. Blisteringly hard. so poorly. So yeah. the entire thing is a boss battle yeah. for me. But yeah. my, I think Mike Tyson is the correct answer. Good job, guys. Thank Woo, you. This is fun. We should do this again sometime if the listener liked it and if the listener wants to hear more. Pick we'd, a console. Yeah. We'd love to hear your answer for this. We'd love to hear new categories that we could potentially use for a future show as Definitely. well. But let us know. Reach, us out, reach out to us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. We're there. We'd like to talk to you. And we enjoy hearing your thoughts as well, even though we may not like them on social media. We still like them internally. (laughs) (laughs) Don't like them, but I like them. We like them in our hearts. And before we go, we want to make sure we get a shout out to those special patrons in the I Am The Listener category. We have Terry Finley, Stephen Ross, Adrian Gray, Chris Strout, Braden Winterton, Colton Cook, Jennifer Kilkowski, Sean Sandquist, just Kyler now, and Alicia Bass. Thank you. Thank you so much. On the Bacon Council, we have Nicole D. Hale, Chris Anderson, Ryan Farron, Crew Dutler. Crew! Crew Dutler, Welcome to the, the Bacon Council. Yeah. And Reverse Listener. Thank you. Thank you. We really do appreciate patrons. We appreciate all you out there who are listening to us and supporting us. It really means a lot. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 76Joel on Twitter, or you can find me performing with QuickWits. They are doing online shows right now. Check it out on the Facebook page. They're free. If you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. And if you want to read eventual movie reviews, it's ShowtimeShowdown.com. And if you want to catch me on social media, you can go to at uh, Tumbling Mustard. You can tweet about how you don't want me to be on the show anymore because you're getting a little attached. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, follow, make sure you're following Bacon Sale on social media as well, at Bacon Sale on Twitter and Instagram. And make sure you've liked the Facebook page. And of course, we do have Patreon. Patreon.com slash Bacon Sale will get you in on a little bit more fun. Support starts at just $3, and you can listen to all of the various Bacon bits that we've had. Uh, we had a recent fun discussion about everything. <laughs> body issues. Very, yeah, yeah, always yeah. body issues. Yeah. And then, of course, if you want to rep that Bacon Sale tea when you come out of the quarantine, make sure you go to tpublic.com slash Bacon Sale. They're just the softest and most lovely shirts. Highly recommend <laughs> them. And just remember, listener, you can't spell awesomeness without any S. Right there, right there. All right, y'all ready to talk about video games? We're going to play some big games. going to talk about them. Oh, boy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, sir. What up, man? I was uh, gonna play some Nintendo. It's business.
It's business time. I know what you're trying to see. You're trying to see it's your business time. Lost lyrics. Good okay. job, Muppet. <laughs> That's what he does with his business voice. Business time. Business time. <laughs> It's darker, it's more challenging, and there are prehistoric bird creatures that shoot eggs from their mouths. <laughs> 11 right. out of 17 found this interesting. Hero. Some people see shadow yep. monsters. Some people see Tetris pieces. <laughs> yeah, I see Tetraminos. It just kind of gives up, stupid brain. Number Trevor's three. great. It's, he's no Simon. Like, oh, like the Nintendo game. But I'm so confused. <laughs> Tonic and Mario versus the Olympics? <laughs> Whatever. I'd play that game. <laughs> That belongs yeah. in a museum. Oh, <laughs> oh! Sorry. I was talking about just be a virtual athlete, not a no, real. No, no. With VR, you need to stand up, Joel. You don't just get to sit down. Oh, I don't want to stand up. <laughs> but sit it, down to play my game. It, I love balloon fight. Stupid game. bees would touch me, and I would die. Sorry, Fester's Quest. <laughs> Fester's Quest. Never apologize to <laughs> Fester's Quest. <laughs> don't you have vacuuming to do? Go Vacuuming clean your room. Sucks, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Girls. Yeah. Not me. Oh, I like candy. Anyone smart enough to give me candy? Can't be all that bad. Sip, sip. Yeah, yeah, y'all got straws. Fancy. I like my straws. Yeah, I can beat Mike Tyson. Liar. Yeah, exactly. You fat liar. Join the Nintendo Fun Club today, Mac. Oh my gosh. What have I become? I'm slow and old and terrible.